one. So this is the last chapter of the Sea of Monsters. The fleece walks its magic too well. Wonder how it does that. Okay. That afternoon was one of the happiest I'd ever spent at camp, which maybe goes to show you never know when your world is about to be rocked to pieces. Grover announced that he'd be able to spend the rest of the sum- rest of the summer with us before resuming his quest for Pan. His bosses at the Council of Club and Elders were so impressed that he hadn't got himself killed and had cleared the way for future searchers that they granted him a two-month furlough and a new set of reed pipes. The only bad news? Grover insisted on playing those pipers all afternoon long, and his musical skills hadn't improved much. He played YMCA and... The strawberry plants started going crazy, wrapping around our feet like they were trying to strangle us. I guess I couldn't blame them. Grover told me he could dissolve the empathy link between us now that we were face to face, but I told him I'd just as soon keep it, because if that's what okay with him. He put down his reed pipes and stared at me. But if I get in trouble again, you'd be in danger, Percy. You could die. If you get in trouble again, I want to know about it. And I'll come and help you again, G-Man. I wouldn't have it any other way. In the end, he agreed not to break the link. He went back to playing YMCA for the strawberry plants. I didn't need an empathy link with the plants to know how they felt about it. Later on during archery class, Chiron pulled me aside and told me he'd fixed my problems with the Meriwether prep. The school no longer blamed me for destroying the gymnasium. The police were no longer looking for me. How did you do that? I, I asked him. His eyes twinkled. I merely suggested that the morals had been, so, had been something different the other day. A furnace explosion? That was not their fault. You just said that and they bought it? I manipulated the mess someday. When you're ready, I'll show you how it's done. You mean I can't go back to Meriwether next year? Kyron raised his eyebrows. Oh no, they have still expelled you. Your headmaster, Mr. Bonsai, said you had, how did he put it, ungroovy karma that disrupted the school's educational aura. We're not in any legal, legal trouble, which was a relief to your mother. Oh, and speaking of your mother. He unclipped his cell phone from his quiver and handed it to me. High time you called her. The worst part was the beginning. The Percy Jackson, what were you thinking? Do you have any idea how worried I was thinking of into camp with the permission? Going on dangerous quests and scaring me half to death part. But finally she paused to catch her breath. Oh, I'm just so glad that you're safe. That's the great thing about my mom. She's no good at staying angry. She tries. But it isn't just in her nature. I'm sorry, Mom. I told her I won't scare you again. Don't promise me that, Percy. You know it very well. It'll only get worse. She tried to sound casual about it, but I could tell she was pretty shaken up. I wanted to say something to make her feel better, but I knew she was right. Being a half-blood egg would always be doing things that scared her. And as I got older, the dangers would just get greater. I could come home for a while, I offered. No, 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 stay at camp, train, do what you need to do. But you will come home for the next school year. 
Yeah, of course. Uh, if there's any school that will take me. Oh, we'll find something, dear. My mother said. Some place where they don't know us yet. As for Tyson, the campus treated him like a hero. I would have been happy to have him as my cabin mate forever, but that evening, as we were sitting on a sand dune overlooking the Long Island Sound, he made an announcement that completely took me by surprise. Dream came from Daddy last night. He said, he wants me to visit. I wondered if he was kidding, but Tyson really didn't know how to kid. Poseidon sent you a dream message? He nodded. Yeah, he wants me to go underwater for the rest of the summer, learn to work at Cyclopes Forge. He called it an inter, intern, an internship? Yes. I let that sink in, I'll admit, I felt a little jealous. Poseidon had never invited me underwater. But then I thought, Tyson was going? Just like that? When would you leave? I asked him. Now. Now? Like now? Now? Now. I stared out at the waves in the Long Island Sound. The water was glistening red in the sunset. I'm happy for you, big guy. I managed. Seriously. Hard to leave my new brother, he said with a tremble in his voice. But I want to make things, weapons for the camp. You will need them. Unfortunately, I know he was right. The fleece hadn't solved all of the camp's problems. Luke was still out there, gathering an army aboard the Princess Andromeda. Kronos was still reforming his golden coffin. Eventually, we would have to fight them. You'll make the best weapons ever, I told Tyson. I held up my watch proudly. I bet they'll tell the good time, too. He sniffled. Brothers help each other. You're my brother, I said. No doubt about it. God, it's so emotional, isn't it? He patted me in the back so hard, he almost knocked me down in the sand dune. Then he wiped a tear from his cheek and stood up to go. Use the shield well. I will, big guy. Save your life someday. The way he said it, so matter of fact, I wondered that if the Cyclops' eye of his could see in the future. He headed down to the beach and whistled. Rainbow, the hippocampus, burst out of the waves. I watched the two of them ride up together into the realm of Poseidon. Once they were gone, I looked down at my new wristwatch. I pressed the button and the shield spiraled out to full size. Hammer and the bronze were pictures in ancient Greek style, scenes from our adventures this summer. There was Annabeth slaying a Lastragonian dodgeball player, me fighting the bronze bulls on Half-Blood Hill, Tyson riding rainbow towards Princess Andromeda, the CSS Birmingham blasting its cannon at, the, at Charybdis. I ran my hand across a picture of Tyson baffling the Hydra as he held aloft a box of monster donuts. I couldn't help feeling sad. I knew Tyson would have an awesome time under the ocean. I'd miss everything about him. His fascination with horses, the way he would fix chariots or crumple metal with his bare hands, or tie bad guys into knots. I'd even miss him snoring like an earthquake in the next bunk all night. Hey, Percy. I turned. Annabelle and Grover were standing at the top of the sand dune. I guess maybe I had some sand in my eyes because it was blinking a lot.
Tyson. I told him he had to. We know. Annabeth said softly. Chiron told us. Cyclopus Forge? Grover shuddered. I hear the cafeteria food is terrible there. Like no eclairs at all. Annabeth held out her hand. Come on, seaweed brain. Time for dinner. We walked back towards the dining pavilion together, just the three of us, just like the old times. A storm raged that night, but it parted around Camp Half-Blood as storms usually did. Lightning flashed against the horizon, waves pounded the shore, but not a drop fell in the valley. We were protected again thanks to the fleece sealed inside our magical borders. Still, my dreams were restless. I heard Kronos taunting me from the depths of Tartarus. Polyphemus sits blindly in his cave, young hero, believing he has won a great victory. Are you any less deluded? The titan's cold laughter filled the darkness. Then my dream changed. I was following Tyson at the bottom of the sea into the court of Poseidon. It was a radiant hall filled with blue light, the floor cobbled with pearls. And there, on a throne of coral, sat my father, dressed like a simple fisherman in khaki shorts and sun-bleached t-shirt. I looked up into his tanned, weathered face, his deep green eyes, and he spoke two words. Brace yourself. I woke with a start. There was a banging on, a, on my door. Grover flew inside without waiting for permission. Percy, he stammered, Annabeth, on the hill, she... The look in his eyes told me something was terribly wrong. Annabeth had been on guard duty that night, protecting the fleas. If something had happened, I ripped up the covers, my blood like ice water in my veins. I threw on some clothes while Grover tried to make a complete sentence, but he was too stunned, too out of breath. She's lying there. Just lying there. I ran outside and raced and ran across the central yard. Grover right behind me. Dawn was just breaking, but the whole camp seemed to be stirring. Word was spreading. Something huge had happened. A few campers were already making their way across the hill. Satyrs and nymphs and heroes in a weird mix of armor and pajamas. I heard the clop of horse hoofs, and Chiron galloped up behind us, looking grim. Is it true? He asked Grover. Grover could only nod, his expression dazed. I tried to ask what was going on, but Chiron grabbed me by the arm and effortlessly lifted me onto his back. Together, we thundered up Half-Blood Hill, where a small crowd had started to gather. I expected to see the fleece missing from the pine tree, but it still was there, glinting in the first light of the dawn. The storm had broken, and the sky was blood-red. Curse the Titan Lord! Chiron said he tricked us again, giving himself another chance to control the prophecy. What do you mean? I asked him. The fleece, he said. The fleece did its work too well. We galloped forward, everyone moving out of our way. There at the base of the tree, a girl was lying unconscious. Another girl in Greek armor was kneeling next to her. Blood roared in my ears. I couldn't think straight. Annabeth had been attacked? But why was the flea still there? The tree itself looked perfectly fine, whole and healthy, suffused with the essence of the golden fleece. It healed the tree, Chiron said, his voice ragged, and poison was not only the thing it purged. Then I realized Annabeth wasn't the one lying on the ground. 
She was the one in armor, kneeling next to the unconscious girl. When Annabeth saw us, she ran to Chiron. It, sh- it, sh- she, she's just suddenly there. Her eyes were streaming with tears, but I still didn't understand. I was too freaked out to make sense of it all. I leaped off Chiron's back and ran towards the unconscious girl. Chiron said, Pussy, wait. I knelt by her side. She has short black hair and freckles across her nose. She was built like a long-distance runner, lithe and strong. And she wore clothes that were somewhere between punk and goth. Black t-shirt, black tattered jeans, and a leather jacket with badges from a bunch of bands I'd never heard of. She wasn't a camper. I didn't recognize her from any of the cabins. And yet I had the strangest feeling I'd seen her before. It's true. Grover said, panning from his run up the hill. I can't believe it. Nobody else came close to the girl. I put my hand on her forehead. Her skin was cold, but my fingertips tingled as if they were burning. She needs nectar and ambrosia. I said she was clearly half-blood, whether she was a camper or not. I could sense that from just one touch. I didn't understand why everyone was acting so weird. I took her by the shoulders and lifted her into a sitting position, resting her head into my shoulders. Come on, I yelled to the others. What's wrong with you people? Let's get her to the big house. No one moved, not even Chiron. They were all too stunned. Then the girl took a shaky breath. She coughed and opened her eyes. Her irises were startlingly blue, electric blue. The girl stared at me in bewilderment shivering and wild-eyed. Who? I'm Percy. I said, you're safe now. Strangest dream. Yes, it's okay. Dying. No, I assured her you're okay. What's your name? That's when I knew before she even said it. The girl's blue eyes stared into mine and I understood what the golden fleece quest was been about. The poisoning of the tree. Everything. Kronos had done it to bring another chess piece into play, another chance to control the prophecy. Even Chiron, Annabeth, and Grover, who could have been celebrating this moment, were too shocked, thinking about what it might mean for a future. And I was holding someone who was destined to be my best friend, or possibly my worst enemy. Anthelia, she said, daughter of Zeus. Oh, I hate cliffhangers. I really hate cliffhangers. But this is it. The sea of monsters is over. Oh, God. It's like a play, like Enter Thalia. Personally, throughout the series, I'm really fond of her. She's like this cool girl. I really, really like her. So yeah, we finished with yet another book. Next Sunday, tune in for the first episode of Percy Jackson and the Titan's Curse, third book in the, in the Percy Jackson and the Olympus series. Thank you.